Welcome to Fuji Love. This is the show that is all about the Fujifilm X-Series and GFX cameras, but more importantly, it's about the photographers who love to use them. I'm Mark Sadowski, and this show is brought to you by Fuji Love Magazine. For the latest and greatest in all things Fujifilm X-Series and GFX, whether it's news, interviews, and so much more, head on over to fujilove.com. Subscribe today. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, real quick before we start the show. Uh, this week I had the chance to talk to Karen Mayoka, welcoming her back onto the show. She's a tremendous street photographer, film photographer, and we had an awesome conversation. Uh, the only technical hurdle that we encountered was there was a little bit of lag between our conversation, uh, just from internet connections and, you know, you know how that works. So I did the best I could editing it, but I don't know if I got all the gaps in between our responses, but bear with me. I apologize if I didn't get it all, uh, yeah, that's about it. But we had a tremendous talk, and she is so much fun to talk to. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Oh, I just double-checked. It's almost half a year ago that we last talked, right? About. Um, well, yeah. Uh, summer is over. Winter is here. So <laughs> photography changes with seasons as well. Yeah, quite a lot going on recent recently. What about you? Uh, you know what? Same old, same old. Uh, summertime, it's uh, wedding photography up up, up the yin-yang. Uh, although my summer this year has been pretty tame compared to others, I, mo mostly due to COVID. Um, mm -hmm. Not a, a lot of people getting engaged around 2020. And uh, so that kind of translated to this year. That, that lag back then carried over to this year. So uh, hopefully next yeah, year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, otherwise it, it's been going great. I had a, had a fun fall and uh, I'm looking forward to doing some uh, winter landscapes. Oh yeah. That's yeah. I, I bet uh, the seasons uh, make your photography change as well. Right. Because probably in winter, there aren't so many engagements and weddings. So you have time to focus on, on something else creatively. Right. Yes. That's the idea. Although I'm kind of bummed that I don't have at least one Christmas wedding because those are pretty special. And oh, yeah. the, new, the New Year's weddings are usually pretty, pretty wild. Uh, the, yeah, I bet. I, I don't have either of those this year and uh, kind of bummed. But yeah, you know, say la vie. I'll be able to have fun doing other stuff. Sounds good, too. Yeah. So I got to say, uh, your last video on the Fujifilm X100V, uh, let's just give everybody a, 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 a clean slate. Uh, I am speaking with Karen Mayoka, uh, welcoming her back onto the show. She is an amazing film photographer based in Germany, and you have an awesome YouTube channel. I, I would have to say that your videos are not only entertaining and informative about film photography, but you kind of give it that Wes Anderson kind of uh, vibe. It's, it's whimsical. Uh, the way you frame everything is very precise. And out of all the people, I, I know you're not purposely doing Wes Anderson, but I think that 
because of that, you are very Wes Anderson. But thank you so much. I'll take. Oh, sorry, sorry. We have a little bit of a lag here. I just wanted to say thank you. I'll, I'll take the flowers because I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. So even though this might not be conscious, maybe subconsciously a little bit of influence, you know, falls back into the video. So thank you so much for the kind words. Oh, my pleasure. And, and you know what? That's that's why I think it's more authentic. And anybody who parodies Wes Anderson does a horrible job of doing Wes Anderson. <laughs> but because you're not trying to do it, it gives that that leg up over everybody else. So kudos to that. But it's very entertaining, is what I'm trying to say to everybody. Your your videos are fun. They they are uh, very chill, and they are just so much fun to watch. And, and the photography, absolutely awesome. If anybody who likes street photography or urban kind of uh, photography, uh, your your photos uh, j- just speak for themselves. Um, and, and the last we spoke to you, uh, you were using the X100V in addition to your, uh, to your film photography. But now after, uh, a year or so later, you are now breaking up with your X100V. That was the basis of your last video. Yes, we broke up, but uh, on good terms, it was no no jerk fight <laughs> on the end. But I feel like the X100V and I, I both agreed it's not go, going to work out. We have to go separate ways. Um, yeah, but it was a very, very nice time shooting with this camera. And I know this might have broken quite a couple of hearts that, <laughs> you know, the X100V and I are no longer shooting together. Um, but I feel like cameras are tools and sometimes you just realize that it's not a good match and that you need something else. So yeah, after one year of a relationship, you know, we're just talking about this kind of metaphor because the <laughs> video is um, spilled up in this kind of sense of having a relationship with this camera and then in the end uh, breaking up. So yeah, after one year, it's over and I moved on to uh, something else. So we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, but I have to say in your description of uh the pros and cons of the uh of the camera you were very very fair as to what you were looking for in, in a in a digital camera and, and what the camera was in the, uh was uh giving you in a, a you know a, a, as a result your what what was the the ultimately the 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 deciding factor that you did not like about the x100v well you know for me basically the two main breaking points were that the manual focusing capabilities of the x100v are not so manual because it's uh, focused by wire i think it's called so you don't have any hard focusing stops on the lens but you have like this infinity loop of focusing and i'm very used to manually focusing with cameras and this is also something i enjoy quite a lot about the process of taking images and i knew that right from the start but i thought that maybe it's not such a big deal and i can get over it and just try to you know manually uh, focus anyway or try to get adjusted to the autofocus but even after a year i still feel like this kind of bumped me out and it really took away a lot of the fun and um tactical experience of taking photos so this was like point number one that even after a year i just couldn't get used to not really being able to properly manually focus 
And um, I knew that the switch to digital would be kind of an adjustment. And I thought it would be fine since I also have like uh, digital cameras for filming. So I'm kind of used to looking at the screen and things like that. But I still wanted to use the viewfinder. And I knew right from the start that the X100V is not a true rangefinder camera, but a rangefinder style camera. And I tried out the X100F from a friend uh, before. So I kind of knew what I was getting into. Um, and I thought that especially the hybrid viewfinder could be something for me that this could be like a fun thing to play around with. But in the end, as dumb as it might sound, the X100V, especially the viewfinder, kind of felt too digital for me. It yeah. was not analog enough. It wasn't manual enough. And it's not a true rangefinder camera, not a true rangefinder patch that you use for shooting. And after um, also simultaneously using some of my film cameras, especially the Leica M6, I just uh, realized that every time I had to choose, I was still drawn to the Leica M6's viewfinder way more than the uh, Fuji X100Vs, which kind of taught me that probably a true rangefinder would be better suiting for my style. So in the end, these two things, not being able to properly manually focus and also the lack of a true rangefinder were kind of the two breaking points for me. Even though I have to say, in all fairness, I knew this right from the start. I just tried to maybe adjust to it and maybe get a feel of the camera nonetheless. And it's a fantastic camera. There's like two major con sides for me personally, but there's so many pro sides that even though I realized quickly that, you know, these two breaking points exist, I, st I tried to, to get along with it anyway, because it is such a fantastic camera, which has so many nice capabilities, so many nice functions that I truly enjoyed. But even after a year of trying to to love it, it it didn't click. I hear you. Sadly. Well, the two points that you mentioned are, while it's only two, but they're they're a bit of a biggie. That is, I mean, if you can't feel good with the camera, then there's no sense in uh, trying to force yourself to adapt to it, uh, especially after a year. Now, when you mentioned that 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 uh, auto, uh, not the autofocus, but the manual focus, uh, if I remember correctly, you can. On on your film rangefinder cameras, you have that kind of uh, that that little groove uh, that that attaches to the uh, the focusing ring, so that you could just manually move it with your thumb, and, and it, it's you could do it in such a way that if you're walking and not looking through your viewfinder, and, and your subject is like say six feet away, you can move that focusing ring to a certain spot and know exactly where it's going to focus right yeah exactly and that is something i really wish was uh present with the x100 series uh i i am totally with you i don't use the manual focus all that much but i actually <laughs> after watching one of your earlier videos like a few years ago when you did that i actually tried the same thing to see if I can accomplish the same uh, kind of guess where the focus is uh, and, and was unsuccessful. I failed miserably. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I really wish that that was a, a feature for the X100. I think that would, I, I think it would noticeably change the size of the lens, but I think it would be a great addition to, uh, to, a, to a lens. I don't know if it's, possible for a digital camera 
I, I don't know. I, I I'm not a mechanic. Um, you what what camera did you switch to then? Um, well, I think it might have been an obvious kind of thing for some people who follow along the channel because I got a lot of comments saying, "Oh, I knew it right from the start. I kind of expected this to happen." So uh, yeah, I feel like I was the one um, <laughs> that kind of realized it maybe last. But the camera that I switched to was the Leica M10. It's more or less the digital version of the Leica M6 that I already use. And it's kind of convenient to be able to switch lenses between the two bodies. And it pretty much feels like 99% like my film camera, like my film Leica, just with a digital sensor. And um, yeah, I, I just wanted to to add that you know, I feel like it kind of depends on what type of photographer you are and what needs you have. And Absolutely. by kind of getting into a digital camera, I just realized that for me, the process of taking photos is a little bit more important than the outcome. Of course, I love a good image and I'm very happy if I take an image that I'm, you know, I'm happy about. But um, for me, the outcome doesn't really matter as much as the process itself because the pure experience of taking photos and going out shooting is what kind of gives me the most joy so i want to have a tool that kind of brings me the capabilities of providing the most joy and that is in being able to manually set up my settings which was very nice with the fuji as well because you can set up iso aperture and shutter speed yourself uh, which already you know is halfway there but um yeah being able to manually focus is the other half that was kind of missing. And with the Leica M10, I feel a little bit more at home now, uh, even though there are some things now again I miss about the Fuji that I wish the Leica had. But this way, it just feels like the the rounder kind of uh, decision for me. Yeah. So w what are the features on the Leica that you wish it had uh, that, that the Fuji did have? Definitely the film simulations. Honestly, yeah. I don't know why why Leica doesn't do it yet. I feel like this would be such a game changer to have like film simulations on this camera because it is so close to uh, having the film experience when shooting with it. But I really, really love the film simulations on the Fuji X100V because I'm so used to not needing to edit my images because with film, you have the look of a, of a film already baked into the emulsion. So I do a little bit of tweaking when shooting film and I do a little bit of, you know, adjusting the contrast and things like that, but no major edits. I don't have to add in a look with my images if I shoot film. And with the film simula simulations, that was pretty similar because I shot the Fuji pretty much like I would shoot my film. I shot JPEG and RAW simultaneously and I treated the RAW file as a as if it was my negative that I would simply store away and the JPEG was my scan, my film scan that I didn't really have to do a lot because it already already has the overall look kind of baked in. And with the Leica M10 there are also pretty okay jpegs i feel like the jpegs are very easy to work with and the raws are very easy to work with as well but you have to work with them there's no yeah. one click kind of solution as with the fuji where you don't have to do anything in post and this is definitely a big thing i'm missing i'm kind of surprised that like it doesn't do film sims either they they would seem like the natural choice but then Leica never really worked made their own film Mm -hmm. so true, true yeah it, it seems like it's a natural fit for fujifilm and it would be a natural fit for kodak if they did cameras <laughs> but true yeah uh, 
but yeah, uh, I, I think, I think the only other camera that really does any kind of film simulation aside from Fuji is, uh, the, the Rico, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, maybe one day, uh, like it will decide to do that, but, but you, then you mentioned that, uh, the raw files are, uh, superior to the JPEGs, the, the JPEGs you, it's, it, it's, it's not click and print. Basically you need to, you, you need to work with them. Um, I, I really would love to work with the, like a, just one time, just to see, see the difference myself. I, I haven't done that yet. Maybe during this winter break, I'll do that. Uh, I'll rent one. Um, but is the Leica, the Leica is not autofocus. That's all manual focus, right? The Leica M10. Yeah, exactly. There's no autofocus at all. And this is what I love about it. You don't yeah. have a choice. You have to really nail manually focusing. You really have to practice and learn your distances and really get adjusted and committed to a focal length to be able to kind of um, what I call build up muscle memory. So as you described it with a specific lens and a specific focal length, you have these hard stops of focusing. So after a while, you know which position the lens has to be in to be focused on which distance. So uh, yeah, the Leica kind of forces you to do the autofocus on your own by really learning your, um, yeah, the, the the muscle kind of movement that you need for specific distances. That seems like it would be a lot of fun to 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 play with. Uh, it, it's definitely intriguing. I, I do like that idea to be able to just, no matter how far you are away from somebody or how close you are to somebody, there's a there's a spot on the lens that you could always go to 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 keep it in focus, and that that definitely has an appeal. Um, and I mean, um, you technically could use like a M mount lenses on Fuji bodies as well. And now, in hindsight, maybe another camera than the X100 line, as for example, the XE4 or X Pro 2 or 3, would have been a great option as well because there you could adapt a Leica glass that has this uh, focusing tab that you could get adjusted to but as far as I'm concerned and I'm not a Fuji expert Fuji doesn't come out with a full frame body yet right you only have APS-C or medium format sensors so the focal length of the lens changes a little bit which in the end also um, changes the the kind of crop that you get from from a lens which kind of maybe makes it a little bit more difficult i don't know to um to shoot with with those lenses but technically you could adapt those lenses to fuji bodies as well and experiment a little bit with it which would give um another body than the x100 line a little bit more of this kind of tactile manual experience if you use these lenses that is a great idea i didn't even think of that uh but the reason why you didn't go down that route is because one, you would need a whole new camera, and then two, you would need to really adjust the focal lengths. Like if you had a yep. thirty-five yep. millimeter lens, that would be more of like a fifty millimeter lens on, on the rangefinder. You would need probably a twenty-three millimeter lens 
to to make it look like a 35 millimeter and so forth exactly yeah yeah math math stinks (laughs) (laughs) but that would give you the film simulations which and it would give you the that that tactile feel i wonder how well that would that would translate now now you have me really curious i might instead of renting a a, a leica camera i might just rent a leica lens and, and grab an adapter and try that on like one of my xt bodies Oh, oh no! Now I feel like I, I brought up an idea, and please, please, please don't hate me. Once you look up uh, Leica glass prices, because they're just as insane as the prices for the bodies. Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, so maybe totally. there, there's a good reason to keep away from it. <laughs> no, no, but but I mean the glass is fantastic. There is nothing you, we can say about Leica glass because it is really, really good. But of course, it comes with a price tag, and I feel like for some people it just feels natural to stay within the system. So if you own a Fuji body, people kind of want to shoot the native lenses right yeah um because you lose the autofocus capabilities but i feel just to play around with it and get a feeling how it would work on a manual uh with a manual lens i think it would be fun and i haven't tried that one uh, myself i actually would have loved to try to really see what the crop factor does to the um yeah to the whole shooting experience if it's really such a big deal or not um yeah but if you do please let me know how how that experience went for you i'm very curious to hear yeah, I'll definitely give it a try. And I'll definitely rent the lens. I won't buy the lens. <laughs> I totally can't <laughs> like the prices. I am, uh, I am no dentist. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so, so now that, uh, so, all right, so let's stay with the one X100 uh, for a little bit longer. Uh, what is the film simulation that you're going to miss the most? Which one was your favorite? I know that's a conversation we had last time that at the time you were using the x100 you were very much doing a year's worth of black and white photography and i think you were using the the acros film simulation right yeah exactly so is that the film going to be missed the most or was there another honestly i think i missed the most not having to that I didn't have enough time to really play around with the color film simulations a little bit more because I got the Fuji X100V around autumn of last year. So I think it was like September or something, if I remember correctly. So I didn't have so many months left to experience uh, shooting color with it. And um, since January this year, I've been shooting exclusively black and white on the Fuji X100V as well. So most of the simulations, uh, yeah, or most of the images I've taken on uh, Acros uh, film simulation or on recipes kind of related to it or working on the base of Acros. So I used, for example, the um, the uh, Ilford HP5 recipe from Fuji X Weekly quite a lot and also oh, a nice T-Max 3200 recipe. These were really, really, really lovely. I really loved them. But I uh, would have loved to experience more color shooting. And if I did uh, shoot with color, the simulation that I kind of liked the most was, I think, Velvia, um, at least if I remember correctly. And there I also used a couple of recipes. And I remember that the Portra 400 and the Portra 800, 800 recipe were absolutely lovely. I think I shot pretty much um, 
the the three months that I had left uh, last year, I pretty much sh shot nothing else than the Portra 400 um, recipe. It was amazing. And this is kind of the little remorse and the, the kind of... Um, yeah thing that i kind of um that i'm not so happy with that i didn't have the chance to practice with the color simulations a bit more so i feel like there's so much that i haven't experienced so much that i haven't tried out yet but um yeah it is how it is i guess it's all good um so just a i think i know the answer to this question but why not keep both cameras the 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 since this camera was already purchased and you already purchased the leica why why not hold on to both well you said you're not a dentist and i'm not either <laughs> <laughs> and i guess the, the, this is the 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 yeah the reason for it because i bought the leica m10 used yep. uh, locally from uh, from a person that now is a friend of mine as well and it still had the the leica warranty which is uh, one of the reasons why i got it but i only got it because i saw um the the kind of ad being uploaded and like two minutes after it was online i already saw the the ad and i i contacted the seller and i knew if i wouldn't buy it now then it would have been sold pretty much uh, immediately yeah. so i knew that i kind of had to to buy the leica from my savings but i knew that i could only afford it if i get rid of some of my other cameras and i knew that uh, keeping two digital cameras, even though I'm still primarily a, a film shooter, wouldn't make so much sense. And I need a lot of um, equipment for the YouTube channel as well. I need video cameras and things like that. And I feel like I have neglected the video side a little bit, which is why I knew I had to shuffle around some funds to make the Leica M10 happen, but it will only work out if I sell the X100V. Um, yeah, so I did. I, I just hold on to it a little bit longer to be able to um properly say goodbye and to make the video but otherwise i would have sold it before i could afford the leica gotcha yeah i i figured as much um but on the plus side how was it like selling the x100v like for, here in the states a lot of the prices are inflated uh the the people bought it for like 1300 close to 1400 but they were able to sell it for like typically 1800 some you know were able to get double the price because of the the craze and the lack of uh x100s around were you able to at least take advantage of that <laughs> it's crazy right i feel like never before under a video i got so many messages and comments of people wanting to buy this camera <laughs> i got like dms pretty much immediately after the upload oh i saw that you're selling the x100v do you still have it i will buy it even people from other countries where the shipping would be insane um but i have to say i i kind of had an eye on the used market price and i feel like it's crazy and i also find it almost a little bit kind of unfair that people take advantage of this and sell a camera for two or 300 euros more than they bought it from even though it's used and it should technically lose in value value just because the demand is so high so i knew right from the start that i wouldn't want to sell it with any profit but i would sell it for the original price or even a little bit less because i feel like this is what the camera truly is worth um and it was just a coincidence that i uh, talked to a friend about um well I, I did a photo shoot for for a friend and there we talked about camera gear 
And he said that he's looking for this Fuji camera, that he wanted to get into photography and he saw it everywhere and he really wanted to get it, but he couldn't find it. And this was pretty much in the week where I decided, okay, it has to go now. So I told him, you know what, if you wait a little bit, if you are um, happy to wait like a month or two until I finish my video, then you can have it. So I sold it to a friend and he's happy and I'm happy. And that way it feels like a little bit of shared custody because I can check on it every now and then and see if the X100V is fine and we can go on photo walks together. So it's sold, but uh, I didn't make any profit of it and it's still kind of close by. So in case anything comes up, um, yeah, I can still, you know, borrow the camera for a day or two. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because that's exactly how I parted ways with my X100V. I, I sold it. Oh, to, really? That's funny. I I, li I I sold it to a listener of the uh, of the show. Uh, they they were able to buy it. Uh, this was pr before the craze, so I sold it for uh, like uh, for a little bit less than what it was worth, and uh, I, I'm also getting updates <laughs> from him. <laughs> Uh, where, where he shows what he's been shooting and he's been having a grand old time. His photos are amazing. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it's funny to, to see the, see what my cameras, my, my la former camera has been doing the life it's leading. And I'm glad it's in a good hands of a good owner. They're taking real good care of it. Uh, I do miss, I do regret selling it though. Um, I, I, I sold it for an XE4 because I wanted the interchangeable lens. Uh, I wanted the size factor of the X100, but I did. I wanted the little bit more liberty to it. And I realized that I'm using the XE4 much less than I did the XE, X100. So, uh, but I'm glad that it's in great hands and uh, see that it's getting loved. And I got to say, you're one of the few Leica owners that I know of that, isn't taking advantage of inflated prices <laughs> because from what I hear, a, a lot of Leica owners will buy a Leica camera just so they could sell it back at an inflated price later down the road. So kudos to you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, um, first off, I, I think like these stories are kind of really nice to hear because it's, you know, these cameras have histories. This is also what I love about film cameras. And now thinking that also digital cameras have this history and you're still a part of it is kind of nice to, uh, yeah, to see. And um, I mean, I have to say to, to already drop a little spoiler, I think parting ways with the Fuji was a little bit easier because I knew I wouldn't leave the ecosystem um, completely. But with the um, yeah, since I knew that the film simulations are something I enjoy so much, I knew that maybe using Fuji for video could be a way to go for me to kind of still be in that system and take advantage of that. So rather quickly after selling the X100V, um, I sold a couple of other things and I actually made the switch uh, to Fuji when it comes to my video equipment. Yes, so for tell. now... Um, <laughs> For, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited to to say that I uh, own the Fuji XS20 now for video, which. Uh, by the way, I have to thank you for that because after our last podcast, we talked about this because I told you that I'm not really happy with my current video equipment. I don't really have a nice setup. I don't have a camera with an interchangeable lens, but I just use a small Sony camera that has a fixed lens and there's no not much that I can do about 
you know, working on my cinematography. So I wanted to switch to a Fuji camera. And I think back then, I don't even remember what I had in mind. I think um, an XH something, or I don't even remember, but I remember that you told me. It was one of the XH. Oh, Karin, you should definitely. Yeah, probably. And you told me you should check out the XS20 that isn't that hasn't been out for so long. I think you could enjoy it. And after our podcast, I did some research and I was like, dang, I think this is the one. And uh, I got it now. And for now, I'm not 100% happy, but I'm quite happy. Um, and I think that this will definitely improve the video side of my videos as well. So um, yeah, so far I'm I haven't been disappointed, especially because now I can still use and try out some of the color film simulations next year. So that kind of makes up for parting ways with the X100V in the middle of my black and white challenge. That's awesome. And uh, Fujifilm, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Give this man commission. (laughs) If only. (laughs) Um, So... What are the things that you like about the the XS20? And you mentioned that you were disappointed about some things. What are some of the disappointments on that camera? Mm, well, maybe positive things first, because it's a fabulous camera. And I don't want to sound so negative and bash all the cameras, because trust me, I like cameras. They're really good tools, and the Fuji is a good tool as well. So what I really like is that I'm able to continue shooting with the film simulations. Something that really bothered me about my former workflow was that I had to do a lot of color correction. And with the Fuji, even on the video side, I feel like it looks great straight out of camera. There isn't really much editing I need to do. I don't even shoot in a log format. I don't shoot in F-log, but I shoot in the... I think it's Fuji Eterna profile, yes. the one that's uh, made for, for cinematography. And it has a 10-bit, I mean, this is getting a little bit nerdy, but it has a 10-bit color uh, codec, which just means that the colors are way richer and you get a lot of more tones, especially in the in the darker areas. And it really, really shows. So I'm very, very happy with the overall look of the camera. And I'm very happy how small it is, how lightweight it is. I'm super happy that it doesn't have a recording limit. I can record even longer than half an hour because most cameras have a recording limit at 25 or 30 minutes but one thing that kind of bugged me is that i don't particularly like the autofocus so far for for video for photography i haven't experienced uh, any issues yet but for video i feel like the fuji autofocus is not as reliable as i was used to with um, my sony camera before because it gets confused when there's multiple people in the frame and it doesn't really know where to focus on and it also doesn't really stick um, to one subject once it's focusing, but it kind of pumps a little bit, which is something I'm also not used to. But I try to reframe this negative aspect and try to see it more positively because it will force me to also focus more manually when um, doing video. I mean, I just complained so much about having to use the autofocus for photography. And now I expect this camera to do the autofocus for me in video, right? Which is kind of a little bit of, uh, um, yeah, of not being consistent here. So I thought, how about just uh, try to do a little bit more manual focusing when doing video as well. So I'm not really happy because I cannot rely on it if I film myself. But if I film other subject, I feel, subjects, I feel it's perfect because it forces me to um, do a little bit of focus pulling and do the manual focusing myself 
um, as well. So I feel like it still elevates my cinematography for my videos to come. I hear you. Uh, you know what? I I I I feel that pain too. Uh, I, I noticed some same the the same little quirks with uh, the autofocus as well. I think what will make it easier and give this a try because this seemed to work for me um when you're doing video try to have instead of having the iso on auto uh i usually mm -hmm. give it a value uh, as well as the aperture and the and the shutter speed i i give those a definitive value and that way it's not constantly trying to adjust the white balance uh and and so forth that seemed to fix a little bit of the autofocus issue on my side um it, it eliminated the that that pumping that that would happen uh mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the autofocus sometimes misses my eye if uh i, I turn a certain way and, and i have thick rim glasses so if it like loses my eye for a little bit or if I turn completely around, it'll stay on me. But I, I think it it searches for 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 my eyes a little too much, uh, but only in certain circumstances. So I don't know if that would help any anything uh, on your side. I will definitely try it. And I just heard that because it got I got it with a kit lens. The 15 to 45 millimeter kit lens. It's like the smaller one, which is a little bit more wide angle, but also rather plasticky. And I heard on several ends that the combination of the XS20 and this lens doesn't particularly work well when it comes to autofocus. Um, so I think um, switching to a different lens, I just got the Sigma 18 to 50 f 2.8 recently. This already improved quite a lot. I haven't uh, shot so much video since getting the lens because I just got it a couple of days ago. But from the first glance, this already is uh, way, way, way better. So maybe I just got a little bit unlucky with my first kind of experience with this particular lens on this particular body. There is another lens. Uh, Sigma is awesome. I, I, I definitely uh, would love to try out the uh, Sigma lenses. One that I think would help you for video. I, I particularly liked the 18 to 120 millimeter lens. And that is specifically for, uh, for video. It, it is, it has, uh really good uh uh what what is it the focusing ring looks really good uh it, it's uh uh what what is it? It, it it's like those button zooms where you you can do a much smoother uh, smoother move um i mm -hmm. think that might be good it's a, it's an f4 so it's a little bit on the slower side but for video, you don't particularly need to go super fast. I would give that one a try. That's true. For now, since I don't sadly have any more X100Vs stuck up in some cupboards <laughs> that I could sell, for now, my budget is pretty much, uh, yeah, kind of drained out. But I, I'm taking notes here, and I will definitely consider this in the future if I have the chance to to test it out and see if this maybe works a little bit better for video. Um, but I feel like 
at least what I learned is that it's, you know, also with the Fuji X100V, I could have sold it after three months because I realized rather quickly that there are some quirks that I'm not very happy with. But I feel like it's still sometimes good to experiment more with gear and see what you can do with these limitations and see if you can find workarounds and maybe use this as a creative input to, to kind of push these limitations. And I feel like this is also what I will try with the XS20 and the lenses that I have for now to see what I can still create out of this and if after a couple of months i'm still not happy with it or if this quirk is just too much um yeah then i will probably consider making a switch but what i also learned is that there's always things you will not like as i told you with the like m10 before now i'm missing the film simulations you cannot have it all and i'm pretty sure that once i get another lens there will be something else that i'm not happy with mm -hmm. so for now i try to be in the mindset of just work with what i have try to make the most of it try to make the limitations actually a creative um journey a creative adventure i can i can tackle and then um try to to see how far i've come and if anything is still up in a couple of months then i can consider a gear switch that's kind Absolutely. of my, my my take from all this this shuffling around gear in the last months and i don't know anybody out there that doesn't have any kind of quirk that they don't like about their camera system uh it's <laughs> everybody has something uh I, I the the most common thing i hear about sony users is the uh you know back in the day it was uh the menu system i don't know if it's still a thing now or uh overheating was was an issue for a few uh sony users that i knew um but i mean canon has its own things uh, nikon has its own uh quirks it's you're gonna see that with everybody but to your point just like you said use it to your advantage uh don't, don't make it a crutch make it a make it a don't make it a bug make it a feature very well said 100 see that too and i feel we're still photographers right we we kind of like to talk about the technical things we like to maybe also complain a little bit every now and then so also these quirks are sometimes good because otherwise probably this podcast episode wouldn't be as filled because we're talking <laughs> about, about these quirks right so it's all um yeah the technical side is, is something that us photographers also like to talk about and having the perfect camera would probably also make it boring because we want to be on the hunt for something better something greater all the time so cameras have to be a little bit imperfect to make this hunt kind of worth it and fun i mean exactly i mean isn't that why uh, you're, you what, what draws you to um to, to to film in the first place it's it's because of those imperfections that make make it uh give it an artistic value i think oh god um uh jason from grainy days uh he he mentioned it gave a great analogy uh where he said um photography has become too clinical it, it's uh it, it's basically capturing a memory whereas film is capturing a dream uh, something along that lines. He said it much better than I did, uh, and with a funnier tone. Um, but I think I think that really holds holds true. I think uh, the 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 imperfections of a film or or the the character characteristics of a certain film 
it ju- just draws you to it to 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 appreciate it more uh and, and i see it in my clients all the time when i i photograph a wedding i could either show them uh, a photo on a screen saying hey here's some previews that i could send to your smartphone and you know they they like that every now and then it's like oh that's great but if i give them instax prints and and leave it for them to 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 see they love that a lot more even though the the the, the film is not as detailed as the digital photo itself and uh it's it, it's giving it a different tone sometimes uh, it, it's it's not not doing the shadows as well or 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 anything like that but there's just something about the physical tangibility to it that that it, that, that makes you appreciate it more yes 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 definitely 100 100% uh, i think i couldn't say it any better so when when you're doing your let's talk about the 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 film process a little bit i know we touched on this last time but when you send photos out for development uh, well actually do you develop your own photos or do you send them out for uh for development uh so 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 i i do both i do a lot of developing at home uh, for black and white and for color obviously this year only black and white but sometimes if I need the film a little bit faster, for example, for specific YouTube videos where I have like a deadline for myself or um, an external deadline, then I will send over the film to a lab just because I know that for me, I usually kind of collect rolls of film to develop them in one go because I have like a big uh, developing tank where where I can develop, I think, up to five rolls at once. So it kind of makes sense to take advantage of that. And if I only have like two or three rolls and I sometimes send them off to a lab. Um, so the developing process for me is also one element that I really enjoy a lot and that I like doing scanning, not so much, but developing definitely. But sometimes I outsource it and it also like both has the pros and cons with the lab. I will get the scan straight away. I don't have to invest so much time scanning, but the hands-on process of developing myself is so kind of meditative and so relaxing to me that I really don't want to miss it as well, which is why I don't want to outsource developing completely. But every now and then it's convenient to just, uh, put it in an envelope and then one week later get the scans because it also feels like Christmas seeing everything at one in one go all the images just by by opening up the folder so yeah I do both that's awesome uh I I've never learned how to develop my own photos uh that's one thing that I I should learn at some point at least put it on my bucket list um when you develop your photos when you develop the the films, uh, the, the ones that you do in-house, how do you make uh, prints? Do you, can you make the print right after you finish developing developing the, the film? Uh, how, how do you enjoy that final product? Or how do you scan the so film after have... you finish developing? So I have to say that my process has changed a little bit because I moved um, – 
around a year ago. Uh, and before in the other house that I lived in, I had a dark room in the basement. And there I also had an enlarger and I had space for all the darkroom equipment. And um, there I actually did some handprints uh, with enlarging uh, my my negatives. But ever since moving, the situation has changed a little bit. I still have my darkroom equipment and I still have my enlarger. However, here I don't have one single room that I can fully black out. My um, my bathroom has a window and it's not possible to to black out the window. And my office has two gigantic really gigantic windows and um two doors which kind of make which is nice because i get a lot of daylight but at the same time it's really hard to black this out so in the new flat i haven't done any printing yet i hope that maybe i will find a solution i already um got some some um how do you call them uh i don't know the the term in english like some thing to to black out the um the the window but it's still not black enough so i will have to get another curtain and something for the doors um but i hope that one day i will be able to print again so for now there's not much printing going on but i'm scanning my my images and i do have a flatbed scanner that i use which is kind of fine but it takes quite a lot of a long time to scan in the images so recently i switched to um to digital camera scanning so i use a camera and a macro lens to scan in my film and then i invert the negatives um digitally with negative lab pro and then i have a positive that i, I can work with so uh, right now it's kind of a digital workflow that i have but i um, yeah, I would like to maybe revive the fully analog workflow at some point because there's nothing, no, nothing else that comes close to the magic of seeing a handprint develop in front of your eyes and in the end having a really tangible product in your hands that you did yourself that is not um, capable of being reproduced in the same way because if you do uh, inkjet prints then every print will look identical right but yeah. with hand prints you will have different a little bit of different exposure on every print or a little bit of different dust specks on every print so it's really unique and uh, there's nothing that comes close to it so i hopefully can maybe do this in the future again oh my god i i, I am this close to converting my garage into a <laughs> to a dark room <laughs> my wife won't be too happy we just recently cleaned out our garage and uh and now i'll just clutter it with more stuff <laughs> but uh but it's for the arts um, it sounds We've like a lot been of fun. there we all wanted to yeah it is it's really really magical it's like probably my favorite process about about shooting film but also one of the most time consuming ones i feel like even though i would consider myself quite okay when it comes to shooting film now i feel like i'm you know getting better and better with nailing my exposures but getting good handmade prints this is like a totally different topic and i feel like even after having a little bit of darkroom experience i'm still not close to being good <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but because of that, every print feels special once it turns out and once you invested many hours into one print and you get something that's kind of reasonable until you fall asleep and wake up the next day, look at your print and think, what have I done? I have to redo it. This happens a lot, <laughs> but there's really <laughs> nothing else that comes close to to having a handmade print in your hands. That's awesome. Uh, so I again ask you now, uh, the... 
Are, are you finished with your year's worth of uh, black and white photography? Has that is that restriction been lifted yet? Uh, not yet. I'm still going until the end of the year. So it will be uh, yeah until the end of December. So from January 1st, I will be able to shoot color again. Initially, I only wanted to do half a year. But after half a year, it was right in the middle of summer. And I felt like, oh, if I quit now, it kind of feels like chickening out at the hardest part because in summer there this is where color comes out right in the cold and dark winter months it's easy to shoot black and white but once it's warm and colorful outside this is where it gets hard which is why i decided to prolong the challenge and now i still have a little bit then uh, a month to go um and i'm kind of sad that it comes to an end but i'm also kind of happy to be able to shoot color <laughs> again because there have been so many projects that I kind of put on hold because I knew this would break the rules and I want to really commit to it. So yeah, not, not, it's not so much longer and then it's, it's done. What film are you going to, what color film are you going to shoot once this is uh, lifted? What, which one are you looking forward to the most? Oh, this is such a good question. It's like living abroad and then you already have to think which dish will I eat first <laughs> once I come back home to my home country, right? So which one is the one? Um, so I have a roll of Fuji Natura uh, 1600 in my fridge that I've been dying to shoot um, forever because it's uh, one of the kind of most expensive films that it's out there. It's really hard to get these days and I feel like it's not getting better the longer it, it stays in my fridge so I really really want to shoot this one but I'm not sure if this will be the first role because I assume that I might be a little bit rusty when it comes to color photography after not shooting color for so long so probably I will just go with a good old Kodak Gold or Kodak Portra 400 for the start and then work my way up to finally shoot the role of, of Natura that I have in my fridge. Portra is a great choice. That 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 one's uh uh that that one's a fun one. You can't go wrong with that one. Um Futura, I think that's oh god, now now I'm I'm drawing a blank. I just played with this. Um oh no, the Fujifilm's new film simulation is uh Riala, not Futura. Um, uh, it's na natura, like nature, not natura, yeah. because it's supposed to have like natural colors. But Futura sounds like a very good film that maybe somebody shall bring out with colors from the future. Sounds like a good. Oh, a good not, that, I, I, I said it wrong. I, I, I was looking up the 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 <laughs> the name of the the film sim that's on the new GFX camera. Uh, they have the Riala uh, Riala Ace. Um, Ah. On, the, on the gfx system uh that one's probably priced the same as a like a camera actually <laughs> <laughs> uh which is out of my price range but it, it was such a film uh great film sim to to use uh all right so when the this this uh this is lifted and you have the uh the the fujifilm uh xs20 what film sim uh, what color film sim are you going to 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 shoot with are you going to uh, going to try velvia again or um for for any still photography or are you going to try uh any others have you tried the nostalgic negative yet for video or film <laughs> 
uh, not film, uh, uh, not for stills, because uh, you, you have that band. But uh, have you tried the the video uh, for uh, Nostalgic Negative? Oh yeah, I remember that you told me about this and uh, really, really uh, like told me to try it because you were so so, so happy with it, right? Uh, to be fair, I, I haven't yet because I I've got this camera just for a couple of weeks now and I haven't really played around with it so much. Actually, uh, only for the X100V video, I recorded a little bit of footage with it. It's the first video that I... Um, that I kind of used to record a little bit of footage. But other than that, I haven't used this camera yet for any video. Um, and I just briefly clicked through the film simulations because all I've, I've used for recording so far is the, um, yeah, what, what's it called again? Eterna. I'm already forgetting it. Yeah, it, it's Eterna. And I haven't taken any stills with the uh, XS20 yet. But once uh, it's January, I will definitely try it out. And um yeah, I think it's it's uh, the same as with film. I will have to wait to finally see the results. So I will have to wait until January to be able to try it for stills. But I will definitely try out the, what was it called again? The simulation that you, you recommended? Nostalgic negative. Nostalgic negative. Yeah, that's the one that I will probably try first then. That I, I, I can't wait to see what you come up with. That, that'll be awesome. Uh, definitely a good springtime uh, film sim uh, w w when that time comes. Yeah, very excited to try it out for sure. Awesome. Uh, well, Karen, it's been awesome chatting with you again. Uh, we'll we'll have to bring you back just in case uh, <laughs> anything changes with the XS20 or anything like that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, uh, I... I Definitely want to have you back on the show. And uh, why don't you tell the world where they could find you on the web? Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Um, you can find me on YouTube. If you type in my name, Karin Mayuka, you can also find my work on Instagram, which is also uh, at Karin Mayuka or on my website. And um, yeah, continue to to follow my journey, at least when it comes to Fujifilm, because I know it's the Fuji Lovers podcast. So of course, you're interested in that, at least even though if you might not see it in front of the camera, hopefully you will see a little bit behind the camera, because from now on, the Fuji will be my main filming camera. So awesome. yeah, Mark, thank you so much for having me. It was uh, yeah, it was so much fun. And if we stick to the regular turners, then we will probably see each other again in six months, right? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'll hold <laughs> to that. Um, but yeah, good luck on. I, I can't wait to see what what you come up with. And, and for anybody who loves film photography, uh, regardless of the kind of film or camera being used, uh, definitely check out Karen's work. She is a phenomenal uh, street photographer and uh, urban landscape photographer. Uh, definitely worth watching and uh yeah i i can't wait to have you back on thank you so much thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed the show and i hope to see you back next week i wanted to also mention one more time that this is brought to you by fuji love magazine for the latest and greatest in all things fujifilm x-series and gfx head on over to fujilove.com Subscribe today. And my name is Mark Sadowski, 
You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, mostly Instagram though. I'm at Mark Sadowski. That's Mark with a C. And you can also check out my other podcast, Xmark. It's a Fujifilm-esque kind of show where it's more spice of life and pretty infrequent. But if you want more of my voice, that's the place to check it out. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon. Mm-hmm.